Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, you're listening to the Saving You Is Killing Me podcast hosted by me, Andrea Seidel. I'm the author and founder of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. This podcast is for you if you're ready to find a way to struggle well, take back your power, and live life happier while you're navigating loving or losing someone to addiction. I wholeheartedly believe that when you love someone with an addiction, your life gets damaged in some way. Since we can't control someone else's addiction, but we are greatly affected by it, the number one thing you can do is take back your power and focus on you. I believe happiness, joy, and well-being is available to anyone. So the thoughts and perspectives I share here on the show are my own and those of the guests on the show. If you ever hear anything that feels harmful or triggering, I'm pre-apologizing and I'm open to being better and value any feedback and the permission to be human. That said, always take what you love, what feels good and leave the rest. The conversations and tools I'll share here will give you everything you need to figure out exactly how to navigate addiction, put yourself first, and how to build resilience for your well-being in a way that feels really, really good. I use these tools to take back the power in my life to build my strength back up and restore peace. And I teach my clients how to create their own version of a life where they can tap into their power and restore their happiness. My goal is for you to listen and leave saying, why is this the only family or spouse support system that doesn't make you feel like you're the problem? And it feels so energizing, empowering, and uplifting thinking that you're not going crazy after all. I am here for you. Finally, please know you are not alone and you are worthy of prioritizing your well-being. So let's jump into the show. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I hope you're doing as good as can be. And I always say that because I remember my mom used to always ask, how are you doing? And my answer would always be, I'm doing as good as I possibly could be doing in a situation like this. So I always ask, I hope you're, I always say, I hope you're doing as good as can be. So I wanted to delve into the book, Codependent No More. This is one of the books that was suggested to me very early on um, when I was in the muck of loving someone with an addiction. And I have to say it helped me in so many ways, but also 
I wanted to share this idea of codependency and how it has such a stigma and just a label about it. And it just, it encourages shame and blame. And so what I wanted to do is just share almost like a digestible version of a summary of the Melody Beatty's book on codependent no more, because I figured there is a lot of learning in this book. There's a lot of growth. And I just wanted to pull out the nuggets that I thought would be helpful for the listeners. Um, if you don't have time to read all those thousands of books that you probably want to read, uh, I thought that this would be a nice introduction to codependency and um, and just and just a nice summary for you um, about this book. And so it's basically called Codependent No More: uh, How to Stop Controlling Others and Start Caring for Yourself. And it's by Melody Beatty. It is a wonderful book. And I just want to share with you some of the highlights, some of the actionable nuggets that I've sucked out over the years and just some things that resonate with me. So by all means, if something sparks your interest, always support the author and purchase the book. I'm just delving into a book and wanted to share with you because let's face it, like that is why I created my book and also the community for saving you is killing me, loving someone with an addiction. And it's all about that. It's all about recognizing you have no control over that addicted loved one in your life. And it's all about finding the courage to focus on you. And so, yes, so we're going to basically jump right in here. So this book is a modern classic. It really does uh, teach us all about codependent relationships. And also it gives us some healthy sort of insights that can help us in so many ways. And so what comes to mind, I'm sure you've heard the words codependency, and I'm sure you've been introduced to it, right? And so what it is, is that we want to first learn about codependency and how we need to take responsibility for our own life. So here are some of the messages that she had in her book, right? She talks about that we're often driven by the problems, the, the other people's problems in our lives, and we avoid confronting our own problems. So we're driven by reacting to others and driven by other people's problems, and we're avoiding confronting our own problems. So these are some of the main messages in her book. So in her book, she really does talk about learning the hard truth about the nature of codependency. She teaches us basically how to feel your own feelings instead of feeling someone else's feelings and how to take responsibility um, and that hard truth of confronting our own problems and our own issues and not other people's. And that was one of her main messages. She also talks about how codependency stems from taking responsibilities for others. And basically in order to take a recovery from that is to take our own responsibility for ourselves. And so codependency is all about Basically, the word codependency can be traced back to like the 1970s, and it is thrown around a lot when it comes to treatment centers and in addiction communities. And basically, it refers to someone whose life has been negatively affected by their relationship with another person. And so codependency is is a basically a coping mechanism that develops in reaction to someone else's 
problem or someone else's addiction. So a lot of codependency, you know, clinicians have learned that codependency is linked to substance abuse and, um, and other compulsive behaviors as well, such as overeating, gambling, sex addiction, and those things too. And she talks about that in her book. And she says that codependency was seen in family members of the mentally or chronically ill and people are affected they're basically people that are in the caretaking professions or they're caretakers, or they tend to be like nurses or social workers as well, or people who are caretakers and they like to take care of other people. So she really does offer another sort of view on codependency. And she talks about, um, a more inclusive definition. She talks about a codependent allows another's another person's behavior to affect them. And in turn, we, the person who is codependent becomes fixated on controlling that other person and that other person's problem. So that seems like more of a relatable definition, I think. I think she really did narrow it down to the fact that um, we become a, we another person's behavior, such as addiction, uh, become we we are affected by that behavior. And then we in turn try to fix it or control it or change it. And our whole world becomes focusing on them. So I bet you there's some light bulbs going off right now uh, in terms of, especially if you love someone with an addiction, but I don't want you to feel any shame around it. Super, super common because you are a caring, kind, loving person. I'm going to be adding my own opinions and my own uh, insights into this as well. So she talks about this definition that it's important because it points out um, that recovery is also for us and that it's not about changing other people, that we cannot change other people, but we need to change ourselves. So in order to recover from codependency, we need to first recognize how much we have let another person's behavior affect us. We need to acknowledge how much someone else's addiction is affecting us and really taking us down. And then acknowledge how it maybe is turning us into being more obsessive. Maybe it turns us more into controlling caretakers. Maybe it controls, it, 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 it shows up in many ways. Like we become completely absorbed by that person in our life. And we're trying so hard to, um, change or help or support another person that our whole world, you know, turns over onto them. Right. And then basically we lose our self-worth and we are, we can become very frustrated with the other person because we're trying to control them. So I don't know if a lot of light bulbs are going off, but I know it, it, a lot of them go off for me, especially when I was in the muck and I definitely was fallen into this, I call it the trap of codependency when you love someone with an addiction. So she does talk a little bit about, um, it's also important to point out that all these behaviors don't make us defective in any way. Can I say that again? We are not defective in any way. You are not defective please, please, please know that message, right? They're just simply unhealthy stress reactions. They're unhealthy natural reactions um, when we are trying to navigate addiction. So 
they're necessary, right? We're trying to help. We're trying to support. So over time though, this can wreak havoc on us. It is going to be destructive. It is going to push us into stress. We cannot control other people. We cannot control addiction. And so when our world becomes obsessed with them and obsessed with their problem and trying to help fix or save, um, we are going to be in a self-destructive spiral downhill. And so So it's time, and this is what she talks about in her book, basically it's time to take responsibility for our lives. And I I say it all the time on the podcast is about finding the courage to focus on you so that you can help put your life back together. And so important. So that is the message to take your life back is to, you know, focus on yourself instead of the addicted loved one in your life. And so another key message in her book is about detaching from the problem person in your life. It can give you so much clarity about your own needs. Now, I love this concept and it's basically, yes, we need to step away from the problem person. Let's call it that the addicted loved one in our life so that we can really gain clarity of like, okay, like, so you're detaching from them. So you're taking responsibility for yourself and that you're really focusing inward at your, on yourself. And this is a one, one day at a time kind of process she says in her book, and that it's about slowly taking the steps towards your own recovery and focusing on you and your own needs. And it's amazing how you can feel this burst of freedom when you start thinking, oh yeah, what am I needing? What am I feeling? And, um, what am I wanting? So I love that message in her book. I also love that she talks about, we start by learning detachment. So in order to begin healing, feeling our feelings and giving ourselves what we need, we need to first detach from the problem person in our lives. And so what does that look like in practice? So, well, um, basically if attachment means you're being constantly preoccupied and worried about someone else's problem, then detachment is pretty much the opposite of that. So if attachment means you're reacting to others' problems, when we detach, we're taking care of our own needs. And so if attachment means emotional dependence, so we're, we strive to get to know our own needs. So it's the flip side of it, right? And so if attachment means caretaking, rescuing, enabling, then we step back and we let people handle their own problems, right? And we put the focus back onto ourselves. And so this is that concept of detachment. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're being cold or you're being hostile or you're forgetting about that person. It's just basically, it doesn't mean that you're withdrawing entirely from their lives, but what you're doing is you're stepping back away from the craziness of their addiction and it makes you focus on your own self and it kind of can help you with feeling a little bit more peace. And when we detach, we can still love and care and be warm to the addicted loved one in our life. So it's just about, um, putting yourself, your needs and making them important, moving them up the priority ladder. So detachment is based on this idea that we are all responsible for ourselves. So don't think of detachment as some complex thing. It's just basically you are 
focusing on yourselves, right? Is on this idea that we're all responsible for ourselves. And that since we can't solve anybody else's problems, worrying about them and worrying about it won't help us either, right? So if our loved ones are doing uh, things in their life and they've created um, a life so like focused with the, like basically their addiction has consumed their lives, um, then they have to handle their own consequences, right? And so it's up to us. We're giving them the opportunity to learn and grow and figure out their own struggles and their own growth opportunities, right? And so what we need to do is show ourselves the same. We need to detach, right? Everyone is responsible for themselves. And that's her, one of her main messages in her book. And that it might be scary, you know, to let, let, I always like, let them do it. Like let, let them live their life. But it's, it's a really healthy thing to do for yourself, right? Um, it's healthier than trying to control everything because we simply can't. So when we seize a grasping for control, when we seize that, we're freed from this burden, burden of worrying about things, of making other people's problems our business. And um, it puts us in this world that, you know, is like a roller coaster. So the best thing about detachment is that we're freed from that perpetual anxiety of worrying about others. We're freed. Our minds can be freer. Our minds can be clearer and we can make better choices and we can focus on how can we love ourselves more or how can we care for ourselves more and we can make better decisions that get our own needs met, that make us feel really, really good and that is best for our well-being. So that's another key concept there, like detaching from the problem person in your life. It can give you so much clarity about what it is that you're needing. And that detachment is so key. So another thing she talks about in her book that I really enjoy is instead of being reactionary, step back and act with purpose. And now I talk about this a lot in, and we talk about this a lot in positive psychology is there's like the, there's some space between the thinking and the thought and just buying some pause and buffer time is so good for our well being, and allows us so we can not be reacting, but rather we can step back and we can act with with purpose and intention intention. And so what we want to do is think about when we try to control things that are basically in the way she put it in her book, none of our business, um, we're the ones that end up getting controlled. So we talk about acting in our best interests over time, right? And if we, if we are continually trying to control someone else, then it's going to get draining. It's going to get frustrating. It's going to make us crazy at times. And it's absolutely impossible to control someone else, right? So whether you're dealing with someone else's addiction or alcoholism, or whether it's a food or a sex compulsion or whatever it is, we're fighting a battle that we cannot win. Now, addiction is a battle that we cannot win, right? Their disease is stronger than our will. No matter how much we control or that we try to control, it's an illusion. We cannot control it. 
and there's nothing that we can do. Although we can't even, we can't even control our, what we can control over it though, is our emotional reactions to it, right? We need to take a pause. We need to have a little bit of a space. So instead of being reactionary, step back and just take that pause. One of the most common ways that we can control, we can stop is by creating that space. And oftentimes we move into rescuing and caretaking. And although we think that we're being loving, (laughs) we think that we're rescuing and we think that we're doing everything that we can. I know I did. I was buying essential oils, special supplements, and all these things to try and help my addicted loved one. It really brought me down to this downward spiral. So what should we do instead, right? So the idea is to try to detach by not overreacting. And so sometimes we're filled with, I know I was, I was filled with fear. I was filled with anxiety and worry. And I would like, I wouldn't say I was overreacting because I think I, and I like to say I was reacting in ways that were perfect for what I was dealing with, but my world became their world. Like I literally, I was obsessed. And so I wanted, so what her message in her book is about learning to catch yourself before reacting. And sometimes my anger would get the better of me because of my anxiety, or sometimes I would just have like outrages. I felt rejection. I felt self-pity. I felt shame. I felt worry, like all those emotions. And while it's okay to feel all these things, it's more, it's better for us to look at them. Like, what are we going to do about them? Like, let's look at these emotions. So instead of reacting, what she's suggesting in her book and what many psychologists suggest is to step back and become peaceful. So do things like taking a walk, meditating, relaxing, deep breathing, gain some clarity on the situation, journal, dance it off, have a rage rave, all those things that I normally suggest in this podcast and in my book. So instead of thinking in terms of solving the problem, take a step back, take a moment of pause and think about how you can take care of yourself turn the care back on yourself. So important. And that is such a nice message in her book, right? Instead of being reactionary, step back, take and act with purpose, take a pause. So another thing that she said in her book, and she talks about in her book is this idea of combating low self-worth by learning to love yourself. Doesn't all this stuff sound so familiar? I mean, if you've been listening to my podcast and you've read my book, it's like, there's a lot of overlap here. So yes, combat low self-worth by just learning to love yourself, right? Um, She talks a lot in her book about, she reminds us over and over again that the path to recovery, the path to sanity, the path to happiness starts with minding our own business and by taking care of ourselves. And she says, in other words, it starts with self-care. So by taking on an attitude of self-care means that you're being loving towards yourself. We start by taking responsibilities for our own lives, not just the day-to-day problems, but our whole entire life. Start to own and know what your physical needs are. Know what you need emotionally. Know what your emotions are telling you. Connect to yourself on a deeper level. And this is a day-to-day 
thing. Like it's, it's, it's just, you know, you're going to learn and you're going to take this one step at a time. And she reminds us that the path to recovery, to happiness, to sanity starts by minding our own business and taking good care of ourselves. And so what she want, what she, her message in her book too, is that we must rid ourselves of the false notion that our needs are not important. Our needs are super important. And in the past, we cast aside our needs. And what she is suggesting is our responsibility to meet our needs. It's our personal obligation and responsibility to meet our own needs. So she does say when the going gets tough, we can ask, what do I need to do to take care of myself? And that's such a beautiful message, right? When we turn the focus from others back onto ourselves, it's amazing how we're respecting our inner voice, our inner child, our needs, and we're able to give ourselves huge amounts of attention and love. And we actually start to validate ourselves. We start to improve our self-worth and we start to build confidence in so many things that we feel a sense of self-love and we don't need to seek approval from other people around us that that slowly as we do this, when we love ourselves, then we, over time, we, we can trust ourselves more. So to start, start by loving and accepting yourself as you are right now and cherishing all your quirks and your imperfections. And she suggests in her books that you'll start to feel an inner power that grows and that really enhances your feelings um, and your self-worth and embra- sorry, embraces your feelings and it will enhance your self-worth. So that is such a beautiful message to help us combat our low self-worth by learning to love ourselves through self-care, self-care practices. And so I'm curious, like what are some of your self-care practices that help you really recognize your worth? So another message that she has in her book, and this is one of the final messages, is that it can be really frightening uh, feeling your own feelings but it actually is the key to finding your joy. And so she talks about this idea that feelings are not facts. And I really do love that, that saying feelings are not facts. So, and that's the whole cognitive behavior therapy and taking your thinking to court. And I always love this, the statements in positive psychology is like this growth for growth mindset is, you know, another way of seeing this is, or, Uh, Is this helpful or harmful? Like, you know, taking your thinking to court. So, and I love that idea that feelings are not facts. And so really recognizing as codependents, we often refuse to feel because it hurts too much. And over time though, that we become very vulnerable and that this vulnerability can also lead to pain. We, we, um, so what we want to do instead of burying our feelings under the carpet by putting other people's feelings above our own, um, we need to acknowledge our feelings, right? And recognizing that some feelings can be frightening. So it means admitting that something has to change. It means that, you know, what are these emotions telling me? And I love that she brings this up in her book. Like, while feelings, they, they may bring sadness, but they're also going to help us in so many ways for growth, right? So sometimes we suppress the negative stuff, but what's great is that we can 
use this as fuel. I always say like anger is amazing fuel for motivation. And, um, so that is kind of what she said within her book is that if we allow ourselves to feel, we can discover the true deep truths about ourselves and we can really recognize what our real desires are, what our real goals are, what our real wants are and what we need. And so emotions, I always say, are like communication tools, right? And there's a willingness, if we have a willingness to work with our emotions, it's going to help us in so many ways. So that's pretty much it. I absolutely love this book. She really does teach us about that we're each responsible for ourselves, that we didn't cause our loved one's problem. We can't fix them, but we can fix ourselves by taking responsibility for our lives, for our emotions, and for our healing path. So that's it, my friends. I hope you got a lot out of that. I know there's a lot of information there. I absolutely do love this book, and I think that it really is helpful on so many levels. And um, yeah, I think that learning to trust ourselves and learning to tap into that we don't need to take responsibility for someone else's problems. And I always say like, this is secondhand shame and a secondhand uh, addiction is like, I'm not the one with the problem. So this is a great way to take responsibility for our own lives. And I hope you got a lot out of that insight and thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.